0: Mercy and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God sent Elijah to Zarephath, which belonged to Sidon. This is where the Canaanites were driven during the conquest led by Joshua. This is also the area from which the wicked queen Jezebel was from. God sent him there to a widow that would feed him. When Elijah arrived, the widow told him that she only had enough flour and oil for her and her son. Their plan was to eat it. And then starve to death. But Elijah told her to make him some bread first, before she makes some for her and her son. And then he gave her this promise from the Lord. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil be dried up, till the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Elijah taught her that the soul is more than food, the body is more than clothing. Listen first to God's promise, and everything else will be added unto you. God kept his promise to this widow, as we heard, and he even had Elijah raise her son when he died. The same things are taught in the Gospel reading, where our Lord gives you two promises to remove your worry. First, the promise of his own righteousness and your eternal place in his heavenly kingdom. Second, the promise of his providential care, the providential care of your heavenly father, which provides for you all the earthly goods which you truly need on the way to the eternal goal which he desires for you. And these promises of God produce within you confidence that can only be brought about by the Holy Spirit. So that instead of worrying, instead of fearing, you can confess and trust in God's goodness toward you. Starting with the righteousness that Jesus talks about at the end of our reading. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This means that before anything else in this world, before anything else, you seek the righteousness of Christ and his kingdom. In fact, that's what it means to believe. It means to cling to the righteousness of Christ that we need before God. His life and death are your righteousness. He himself is your righteousness that covers all your sin. To seek first God and his kingdom means to trust in Jesus' promise, so we may live under him in his kingdom, serving him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. This kingdom is yours through faith in Christ, who by his death gives and by his resurrection guarantees to you an inheritance that will never pass away. God gives us to you freely through his word and sacraments. That is where he wants you to seek these things. That is where he wants to be found by you. Therefore, the word of God is the greatest treasure in all of heaven and earth. In fact, Jesus says, while heaven and earth will pass away, the word of God will never pass away. It will never be broken, it will never rust, it will never fade away. When we hold it close to our hearts as our dearest treasure, then we're blessed with the Holy Spirit who comforts us, removing the worries caused by sin. Now, some of those worries, which Jesus does not mention directly in our text, Include being worried that God will not hear our prayers. Perhaps that God will not forgive us. So we have these wonderful words in our introit. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. You, O Lord, are a God full of compassion. O turn to me and have mercy upon me. The gift of Christ's righteousness guarantees that God will hear your prayers and that he will indeed forgive you. So that tomorrow can worry about itself when your conscience is ruled by the peace of God. And that is the foundation for this entire passage. He's already given you the most important thing in Christ Jesus. Why would he not take care of your earthly needs? And because of this gift and promise, Jesus is also calling you away from the cares and worries of this world. He's teaching you what it means to be a Christian, and to live under him in his rule of grace and forgiveness. It certainly is a passage with a great deal of comfort, but it also comes with some rebukes, some warnings, some calls to repentance. Jesus said, don't depend on your money, your possessions, yourself. They're all idols that are going to let you down. And yet, most of the things you worry about in any given day or week or month, they center around earthly concerns. They center around earthly things. Even our daydreams reveal our hearts. Even the ones you've had already this morning, even maybe the ones you've already had during this service. Who doesn't dream about striking it rich, having it easy, having perfect health, having perfect family, having the perfect job, whatever it may be? And the daydreams are really just the flip side of our worries, right? The daydreams are our worries removed and everything going smoothly. Jesus is calling you away from those daydreams, from those worries and fears from those concerns for wealth and riches, for perfect health and an easy life. Why? Because your worries, your fears, your anxieties are sins against the first commandments. Worry is the worship given to mammon, to money and stuff. Our worries reveal what we fear, love, and trust in above all things. And so, in a world of COVID, in a world of riots and massive fires and hurricanes and political upheaval. But do our worries and fears and anxieties about those things reveal about where we put our trust? I'm obviously not saying you shouldn't care about those things, that you shouldn't be wise, or that you shouldn't do what you can to help. But Jesus is asking you to consider what your worries and fears reveal about what you trust, about where your hope is. For honest, one of the problems we have is that we often confuse what we want with what we need. So Jesus is calling us to reconsider our place in this world and our relationship to all our concerns of both our body and our stuff. He's calling us to reconsider our wants versus our needs. He's calling us to repent this morning of our gluttony and our covetousness. Now when I use the term gluttony, you think of someone overeating. But really throughout the Bible, gluttony is a hope in comfort or ease. It's not primarily about eating too much but about finding our hope in the comfortable, easy life. Consider what our Lord says in Psalm 49. When the iniquity at my heels surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of the riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly. Even if you had everything you daydream about, even if you had it all, and all your, what you think are causing worries and fears were removed. You still want to have what matters. You couldn't use that stuff to purchase what really matters. That is your soul or the souls of your loved ones. So Paul in 1 Timothy tells us this. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come they may lay hold on eternal life. All the things that we worry about in this life are uncertain riches. We're not to trust in those we're to trust in the living God. We're to stop striving for more stuff, stop worrying about what we lack, and rest in what Christ has already done, what he is doing, and what he will do for you. This is why the Bible says you can cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. We're being called instead to contemplate not our worries or our fears, but the mercy of God. Jesus wants you to consider and contemplate the providential care of your heavenly Father. That God is working in and through all things to provide for you and care for you. He's asking you to contemplate the fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. And its meaning. What does this mean? God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers. Even to all evil people. But We pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this. And to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. What is meant by daily bread? Daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body. Such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, goods, devout husband or wife, Devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. And the like. I mean, Luther lists about everything under the sun. He still says, and the like. Is there anything God has not or is not taking care of in your life? It's all covered. And how does our Lord get you to contemplate that he's doing these things for you? He gives this gentle and very intriguing description of the birds and lilies. It's almost like you're reading a children's book or watching a children's cartoon. He's got birds with plows and flowers making clothes. And Jesus wants you to sit at their feet and learn from them. He wants you to sit at their feet and wait and rejoice and see how they wait and rejoice and how God made them and cares for them. The antidote to worry is to trust in God's care. If God cares for plants and birds and animals, how much more will he care for you? If he's already given you the righteousness of Christ, why would he neglect to take care of your physical needs? Jesus wants you to talk to your Heavenly Father about the things that are disturbing you, the things that are causing you anxiety knowing and trusting that in Christ Jesus all your needs will be fully met. Now, Jesus rebukes the disciples with a great phrase. He says, oh, you have little faith, or it could be translated, oh, little faith ones. He says it's not because we're unbelievers, but because we're those of little faith, and he wants, he desires to strengthen your faith in him and his care and his promises. Even more so than the lilies or the birds, You are beloved by him. And we want to stay in the faith. We want to trust him. But we struggle. So he's even using this passage to keep us in the faith. To redirect our eyes and our thoughts back to him and his promises. We are blessed because we are his and he will take care of us and he will take care of our faith. This does not mean that we'll never suffer. Right? Birds die. They starve. They get eaten by predators. Lilies get cut down, they get stepped on, etc. But no matter what comes our way, we can be confident that he gives us what's best. We're just saying that. No poison can be in the cup that my physician sends me. No matter what comes your way, God is not using it to poison you or harm you. Now it doesn't mean we'll never suffer, but it does mean that Christ will not be destroyed eternally. He will bring you to the right place at the right time in the right way. So we keep seeking him in his kingdom where he has promised they would be found. And he's promised that there in those things he would give us all that we need to strengthen our faith and to endure to the end. And so you live trusting God's promises despite how things look. I mean, that's kind of always underlying tension for the Christian. Tomorrow can worry about itself when your conscience is ruled by the peace of God. And this is more than a simply optimistic encouragement. This is more than, I just hope things kind of work out for you. It is the word of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, who by his death took away your need to ever worry about anything. So seek first what Christ freely gives you, and then teach your children and your grandchildren to do the same. Because when the time comes they have nothing left on this earth, The kingdom of God and his righteousness will still be there. It'll still hold them up. And when you have that, when you have it and you know you have it, you have nothing to worry about. Because you know that God is taking care of it, whatever it is in your life. There's no need for worry because your life does not depend on your worry or concern. As Jesus said, it's not going to add anything. Everything depends on his knowledge and providential care. He has delivered you from the idolatry of mammon, from the idolatry of worry and anxiety and fear. And he's given to you his greatest treasure, Christ and all his benefits. And so there's a theme that runs throughout the book of Proverbs and elsewhere. I picked this verse from Proverbs 15. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. The Bible teaches again and again that if we have Christ, we have enough. That he is our true treasure. So the psalmist says, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. If you have him, you have all that you need, and you can trust that God will take care of all the other details, that he will work the rest out. Let's go back to the Old Testament reading for a moment. The widow was a woman of pagan land ruled by a pagan king. She had nothing but the word of God given to her by the prophets, and she trusted in it, she depended upon it. In her pathetic state, she took refuge in it. And this is how God tests your faith. He teaches us that we have nothing more to gain from this earth, but that we have everything to gain from God and his promises. And of course, all the promises are fulfilled for us in Christ, who has come with his kingdom and righteousness to take away sin and raise us up with him from the chains of death. The promise of his righteousness and the promise of his providential care Through these promises, he works in you, confidence in him is brought about by the spirits. That's why we sing what God ordains is always good. This truth remains unshaken. Though sorrow, need, or death be mine, I shall not be forsaken. It's why we sing entrust your days and burdens to God's most loving care. It's why we sing in God, my faithful God, I trust when dark my road. As we cling to the promise of Christ's righteousness, the promise of our Father's providential care, let us confess with the prophet Habakkuk. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on my high places. Amen. The peace of God passes all understanding, guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.